Freeloading friend refuses to pay rent or get out of my apartment, so I infest the apartment with bugs. Here's what happened. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell for notifications. This is a story about what my friend KP did to help his buddy get rid of a roommate who just wouldn't move out. What you have to understand is KP is the sort of guy who will put far more effort into a scam than honest work would ever take. He lives for the flim flam. In grade school, he had every puke ray and remote fart box they sold. We spent our teenage years driving around to fast food restaurants and telling the manager that they got our order wrong in order to wheeze some free food or disconnecting the odometer on his mom's scooter so we could joyride undetected. KP's family was wealthy, but that didn't matter. His car's plates were always counterfeit. He was the guy who would hook up your cable. He ran a side business replicating of-age stamps that all the local bars used. He ran a high schooler speakeasy in his spare bedroom. He forged a dealer's license to buy his RV wholesale. And to this day, every time he walks into a restaurant, he goes right over to the server's counter and grabs someone else's chicken fingers and brings them to the table. Nobody said these stories had to involve ethical people. He dropped out of college first semester to go to one of those get-rich-quick seminars in Vegas and actually got rich with one of those legal scams. You know, the bounce-check-mini-lean one. So, needless to say, he doesn't have to work, and has actually spent his time pursuing one grift or another, from diamond cutting to inventing a new kind of lawnmower. They never go anywhere because his interest dries up quicker than the thousand dollars of dead fish in his saltwater aquarium. I wouldn't be surprised if right now he was soaking the labels off some wine bottles or selling some counterfeit calamari. He lives for the flim flam. But he's also a volunteer firefighter, and that plays a small role. His buddy, Schlamazel, got into a year-long lease for a one-bedroom apartment. Shortly after, he and his girlfriend got pretty serious, and they decided to buy a house. He subletted his apartment to a guy I'll call Guy on Our Couch, or Gooch. Gooch didn't have a job and never paid rent, ever. Schlamazel begged and pleaded and threatened. Nope, Gooch didn't budge. He didn't have a job and rarely left the house. Just smoked all day and played video games. Schlomazel was living with his girlfriend and trying to apply for loans. Unpaid rent would look bad on his credit. He appealed to the landlord to initiate an eviction, but the landlord said, Your problem, screw you, pay me. A few months went by and he's paying this guy's rent and getting a lot of empty promises and getting nowhere. So he calls KP. This is the sort of phone call KP lives for. He springs into action. First thing he does is buy one of those premium made websites that he sets up like a fake exterminator company. He gets them a 1-800 number and routes it to Schlamazel's phone. He then goes to Home Depot and buys Tyvek suits, masks, roach traps, and some of those little wand sprayers that exterminators use. He enlists the help of a friend, Mensch. Then he rents a U-Haul. He grabs a toy he's called a thermal imaging camera, or TIC, that firefighters use to find sources of heat and thick smoke. It looks like a very official piece of equipment. Then they suit up and knock on Gooch's door. Annual bug bomb, they say. Gooch comes to the door in a thick haze of smoke, eyes squinty, and goes, Huh? Annual bug bomb, they say again. Have you lived here a year? They knew he hadn't. Yep, every year we gotta bug bomb your place. Here's our card, you can call the office if you want. It helped a little that being a filthy stoner, Gooch did have a roach problem. So he lets them in and they start spraying the corners and scanning the walls with the TIC. Yep, you can see their tracks everywhere. You got 
roaches in here. At this point, Minch is taking long strips of roach traps and ripping them off the strip and frisbeeing them into the corners. But he's got gloves on and he's having a little trouble tearing them. Gooch is getting suspicious. These guys are exterminators and this guy can't tear a roach trap off a strip? In a stroke of genius, Minch exclaims, I hate when they give me the blue ones, and throws the strip down. They convince Gooch that he must vacate the apartment for 24 hours, that he needs to go stay with a friend, as well as his cat. Cat's gotta go. As soon as the coast is clear, the operation begins. They back the U-Haul up to the door and flag down a passing big guy. Hey, you wanna make 50 bucks helping us move? Then they proceed to move all of Gooch's stuff into the U-Haul. A guy like that? What does he have? Some dirty sheets on a futon mattress, a TV, a slab of canned beans and ramen packs, and a litter box that hasn't been changed since the Nixon administration. When that's done, Schlemazel, who's been manning the phones, sweeps in with a digital camera and takes pictures of the empty apartment. He had scheduled an appointment with a locksmith who arrives and changes the locks. They all head to a storage facility with the U-Haul and unload Gooch's stuff into a locker. Schlemazel takes a picture of that too. Schlemazel goes to Kinko's and prints out the digital pictures of the empty apartment and the full storage unit along with a sign. Gooch returns to the apartment the next day to find a sign on the door that says, Your stuff has all been moved into storage. Meet me at the storage unit at this place in time with your back rent to get your stuff back. On the door is a picture of the empty apartment and a full locker. His keys don't work. At the meeting time, Gooch shows up with the cops. He's called and told them that someone has stolen all of his stuff and is extorting him. KP explains the real situation to the police and says that they may be interested in certain items among Gooch's stuff that resemble heavily used tobacco pipes and hookahs. The cops, realizing exactly what has gone down, shake their heads. They know they can't prove that the contraband is Gooch's. They say KP can't extort the back rent this way. Then they issue Gooch a summons for filing a false police report. Schlemazel never got his rent back, but he did get his jerk of a subletter out. This is one reason I'd be afraid to rent out property. Sometimes it's hard to get that person to leave, even when you're in the right and they haven't been paying rents. In the meantime, you're losing income on a place where you could have someone living and actually paying you. Doesn't sound like this guy was taking very good care of the place either. However, to view this from the other side of the coin, I can understand why he would call the police. You can't really just go and take all of someone's stuff. That's not your obligation to do so. Because you're a friend of the owner, that's not on you. The owner needs to go through the proper process to get this guy out and can't just hijack his stuff. Noisy roommate wakes us up taking video calls late at night, so I had to train him to take them in his room. This is the story of how I used Pavlovian conditioning to train my formerly obnoxious roommate to behave like a responsible adult. So the three of us are nurses and we all live in this company provided apartment. Each of us has his own room which is joined by this common area that doubles as the kitchen and dining area. But the walls are paper thin and don't provide enough soundproofing. So if one were to say have loud conversations in the common area during the late hours of the night, it would resonate through all the adjacent rooms. But if you were in your own room talking to somebody, it wouldn't be heard outside. Basically, any sound that you make in the common room could 
be heard in all the rooms. Now, this is not a problem during the day, but at night when everyone is asleep, our one obnoxious roommate always decides to have his Facebook video calls in the common room using his phone, waking everyone up with his loud conversations. And since we're nurses, we have to work in shifts. Me and the second roommate work on 12-hour day shifts, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., while the third obnoxious one works 12-hour night shifts, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. So the third roommate tends to be awake at night. We get to sleep soundly when our roommate has work. But every time he doesn't have to go to work, the two of us tend to be disturbed by his late night blabbering on his phone. We tried to handle it the adult way by talking to him about it and suggesting he do his antics inside his own room since while in there, we wouldn't hear his loud conversations and he wouldn't wake us up at night especially if we have to go to work in the morning. This worked for a while, but he eventually went back to his old habits of waking us up at night. We were getting tired of the situation, because all we wanted after a long 12-hour shift was to be able to sleep soundly, especially if we still have to go to work the next day. Our hallelujah came from an episode of The Office that I had just watched wherein Jim trained Dwight to crave a breathman every time he restarted his computer. A light bulb suddenly switched on in my head to use our watch Wi-Fi to train our noisy roommate. Nobody else knew that I had admin privileges. I just happened to be there when the guys installed it and they gave me the key. I realized that I had access to our Wi-Fi network wirelessly on my phone and could turn it on and off on a whim like a god. My MO was simple. Every time I get woken up by noisy roommate taking his internet calls in the common room, I would turn off the Wi-Fi of the whole house and wait until he goes back into his room before turning it on again. The training took months and countless late nights. After getting woken up by said roommate, I would wait for an opportune time, usually while he's in a deep, loud conversation with someone, to turn off the Wi-Fi. Then wait for him to get annoyed and curse our service provider until he finally gives up and goes to his room. The cue for me to turn it back on. The loud late night calls in the common room became less and less until he no longer took them in the common room at all. This translated to silent nights for me and the second roommate who had to work in the mornings. My method was so effective that he actually thought there was a problem with his phone. Sometime later, he wanted to show me a video of something on his phone, but said that I had to come into his room for him to show me since there was a problem with it and it wouldn't work in the common room. I was grinning like a jerk the whole time. You know, it may have taken a while, but I can't argue with the results. You got what you were looking for. You would think most adults would respond to the conversation of, hey man, you're keeping us up at night, do you think you could take those calls in your room? But unfortunately, that wasn't the case here. Our poster found a pretty creative solution though. I definitely wouldn't have come up with something like this. I just don't have the patience. You're messing with my sleep, we're gonna have some words. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entitled mother demands I give her my headphones because her daughter likes them. Ran into an entitled mom and her daughter at Walmart today. I wish the kid was actually nice, but both were entitled. So, for the background, I have an amazing set of Razer Kraken Pro V2 headphones I got off Amazon for like 80 bucks. They're quartz, which just means pink, and I got them to poke fun at my friend because I had pink headphones and they didn't. Plus, my previous set, the normal green ones, had just broken. So I was in Walmart getting some sodas and looking at some crap that interested me and listening to music and generally ignoring people. I had the volume up loud enough so that I couldn't hear anyone. I think that the entitled mother was trying to get my attention, because I felt someone tap my shoulder and I turned around. Cast is the standard me, entitled mother, and entitled daughter, who was maybe 16 or 17. I take my headphones off to hear her and ask her what's wrong. My daughter likes your headphones. Oh, thanks. How much for them? My daughter really wants them. We've been looking for headphones for ages. I want the pink ones. Oh, I got them off Amazon for... No, how much for those ones? I'll pay you $20 for them. What? Fine, $25. Take it or leave it. Lady, I got these for over 80 bucks. These are Razer Kraken Pro gaming headphones. Get some yourself. Oh, but my daughter needs them. She's a gamer. Oh, what's her favorite game then? I need them for a Fortnite tournament. (laughs) Kid, get your own and play better games. Don't laugh at my child. Lady, listen, how about no? Or how about you leave me the heck alone? Watch your mouth. You shouldn't say those words. Yeah, only adults can say swear words. Oh, then what one of you should I listen to? Both of us. A child like you shouldn't use those words. That's adult language. Well, guess what? Let me tell you this once. I'm an effing adult, which I do a kind of pose to be extra. Not gonna lie. Well, I'm your elder. So? You have no authority over me, so I don't need to listen to you if I don't want to. Give me your headphones. You owe me them now. I want the pink. How about no? Leave me alone. Entitled daughter starts crying and entitled mother loses it. Look at what you did. Give those headphones to my baby now. No, F off. I then leave and end up getting some Hatsune Miku poster and two My Hero Academia posters, along with some soda. I check out and start to leave and see a friend who works there, along with entitled mother and entitled daughter. Entitled mother to my friend. There, that's the one who stole my headphones. My friend. Really? Me. Hey, friend name. Friend. Hey, original poster. You work here. How unprofessional. They stole my headphones. Stop them. Hey, friend, we go to the same school. Have you seen me wearing these in the hall? Yeah, since like last February. Why? They're a liar. You should give those headphones back to my entitled daughter. Would I have had them since February from what Fred knows if I stole them from you today? Entitled mother is silent for a moment before trying to protest, but my friend protects my property. Entitled mother tries to convince her that the headphones were owed to her, but to no avail. In the end, that jerk started screaming at both of us and was detained by security for BS.
Every time I hear a story like this, it really just boggles my mind. How you think you can be entitled to a stranger's property. Like, your argument here is that they're being rude to you, therefore they owe you their headphones? Don't you think you walking up to someone and asking for their headphones is rude to begin with? Does that mean that I immediately get something from you because you're being rude to me? Your logic here only works against you. I have no clue what's going through this woman's mind. My boss suddenly became a jerk, so we all suddenly decided to abandon him. In the early 2000s, I was working at a graphics and t-shirt printing shop in a major college town in the Midwest. I was a graphic design major and it just made sense for me to be involved in screen printing and design. The owner of the company was a very socially awkward dude that went to the university and stayed around after graduation to make his money. He had deep roots in the community, was on several alumni boards, things like that. As such, he had many large contracts with universities in the same athletic conference as our college. One of the large largest conferences in the nation. This meant we spent most of our days rehashing old sports designs to meet new criteria. A lot of it was event-based, meaning if a certain team won a certain game, there needed to be a t-shirt to commemorate it. I was on call to do that design. Now, we'll call him Ron. He wasn't a cheery guy. In fact, I don't think I'd ever seen him smile. But as of late, he'd been getting more bold with his three designers. Myself, Tim, and Carla, who was the art director. He would venture up into the art room and hover while we worked. Evidently, he didn't like what he saw, because he made me take my inspiration board down because it was clutter. The hovering and critiquing didn't sit well with us, but whatever, it's his business. Then he hires his dad. To do what, I'm not really sure. But whatever it was that was ticking Ron off about his designers became his dad's obsession. He started hanging out in the design room and literally real-time critiquing the designs and the amount of time it took us to do them. Needless to say, we weren't happy. So one day, Tim and I come back from lunch and Ron is upstairs in the design room lighting Carla up. He's yelling that she was costing him money because designs were sent back for revisions or took too long or just plain weren't good. As we were all very competent designers and worked under ridiculous deadlines all the time, it kind of confused us. Regardless, Tim and I both liked Carla as a boss and didn't appreciate Ron yelling at her like he did. She came out of the room crying and pushed past us on the way down the stairs and went home. She'd been getting recruited by another printing screen place in town anyway, so she took that opportunity to jump ship. Good for her, we thought. Fast forward a month, and Tim and I were even more unhappy than before, because now, not only were Ron and his dad constantly breathing down our necks, but we had a three-person workload with only two people. He became even more pushy and rude and started to become unhinged. I almost hit him once because of how he would talk to us. Tim and I hatched a plan. The CWS, or College World Series, is in Omaha every year. The CWS was Ron's second biggest cash cow next to the NCAA men's basketball tournament in March. Every year, he rented an 18-wheeler with a four-color process press in the back of it to take to Omaha. The deposit was like $10,000 and another $10,000 for the full rental. We'd watch the games and start getting the designs ready as soon as it was apparent a team was going to win. We print the 
shirts right there on the spot and had them hot off the presses for people to buy. It was a great system that worked as long as he had people who knew how to design and print the film. So it's the day before CWS rolls around and everyone is getting ready to go to Omaha. Ron was riding in the truck. His assistant and several other office staff were pulling in a van and Tim and I would drive separate in my truck. It was to be a convoy. The truck took off. The van fell in behind it and we fell in behind the van. They turned off on the highway toward Omaha and Tim and I went to the bar. They didn't notice until they got to Omaha. I saved the voicemails just in case I disappear someday. He shuttered four months later and rebranded as a design-only firm. Gotcha, jerk. I'd like to know what went wrong here, because it sounds like everything was okay in the beginning. What happened that all of a sudden he felt the need to start hounding you guys about your work? Maybe he wasn't making enough money and was trying to up the numbers, and felt that you guys were responsible for not designing good t-shirts. Either way, the way he chose to handle the situation was less than professional, let's say. Yelling at your employees will very rarely get you the results you want, at least not long term. No one wants to work in that kind of environment. No one wants to have to deal with a person like that. You're not doing yourself any favors by driving your hard-working employees out the door. You've invested time and resources into training and hiring them. Don't throw that all away because you're a bit moody one day. Also, in regards to how our original poster handled the situation, there's also better ways. You probably cost this guy his business. That was $20,000 that he put down on this venture that he probably didn't get a whole lot back on with no one to operate the machines. I get that you're unhappy and you don't want to be there anymore, but you don't need to completely screw the guy over along with everything everyone else who works under him. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories, linked at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, give Am I the Genius a shot, linked in the description as well. Either way, thanks a lot for watching and we'll see you guys next time.